0: Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, how is your day going? You know, I've been wondering when it is that you tune into this show. Is it when you're out running, or when you're driving, or when you're cooking, or when you're doing laundry, or when you're frustrated, when you're happy? When you need a little bit of positivity to push you along, I actually really want to know. So can you please do me a favor and post on Facebook or Instagram and tag me and let me know when you listen and why? And uh, while you're at it, just maybe repost your favorite episode because I really want to know that too. Um, if you do this, I find it sort of awkward to post from iTunes because it doesn't really personalize the episodes. So I suggest grabbing a screenshot from the show notes at NicoleDaboom.com or from SoundCloud. Theirs look pretty cool. Um, I know the most listened episodes because I can see it in my reports, but I'd love to know what you think the most powerful episodes are, the ones that touch you deeply and truly make an impact because I want to do more of those. I mean, I truly believe that every guest is incredibly special. Every time I do an interview, I feel like a better human being, (laughs) but I want to know your thoughts too. So thank you for doing this. Your input and energy help me as much as I hope the podcast helps you. All right, today you are in for a treat. Our guest, Jennifer Brown, is a very special person, as I said earlier. (laughs) They all are. But she truly is. We are so lucky to have her on this planet with us. Um, This is how I think of Jen. She is a crusader. Her life's mission is to help give a voice to people who felt marginalized, and she's doing it in so many ways—from her own personal experience, you know, her openness and vulnerability about her background and her story gives so many others comfort and hope, and and open the door for them, make them feel comfortable sharing their own stories. Um, to her community outreach through her podcast, her books, and her speaking. And finally, on a huge platform, as a consultant to massive companies, Fortune 500 companies that work with her, these are companies that know they need to do better to make change and to become more inclusive. And that's when they called Jennifer Brown. (laughs) Um, I met Jen Brown through our friend Aaron Weed, episode 114, Aaron Weed Digs You. Uh, Jen and I were seeking our truths through a program that Aaron ran called Evoso. Uh, we were basically trying to put a finger on our greater messages and, and how to get them out into the world in a more powerful way. I have to say that Jen Brown has definitely found her truth. Uh, side note, I have also found mine, and this podcast is a huge part of it. Back to Jen. Uh, she is leading the tidal wave of diversity and inclusion work that can and is changing the way we view each other in this crazy world. You know what she's really doing? She's creating a more loving world. That's what Jen is doing through her work And you know what else is creating a more loving world? You guessed it, our sponsor, Skirt Sports. Yes, the company I started almost 15 years ago with one goal, to create something that would inspire me to get out the door and exercise with a better attitude. We all know that when we work out, we are better, plain and simple. Everything is better. So in other words, by wearing skirt sports, you will love on yourself even more. So it's time to get on it. Use the code RUN20 for 20% off something totally awesome from our line. We have summer dresses, our cooling technology collection is in, we've got our active swim line and just loads of other beautiful women's products. Again, that's a code RUN20. Use it at skirtsports.com or come into our store in Boulder and just tell them, I listen to the podcast. Let's use the code. All right, now let's get back to the show. And it's time to bring on the amazing Jennifer Brown.
1: Are you on Twitter at all? Or mostly? No,
0: I'm not on Twitter, but I saw that you have quite a following on Twitter. I do. I
1: kind of love Twitter. Um,
0: Why do you love Twitter?
1: You know, I find, um, gosh, I'm so political, um, so you I, get are. To, I get to be kind of angry as I want to be.
0: <laughs> well, what's really funny is, you know, with skirt sports, I am, it's a safe place for all women. Yes. So it's keeping my own personal political beliefs out of my business that's
1: important. And,
0: (laughs) you know, but can be hard. It can be hard. I know. I'm
1: sure. Because I'm sure as a brand, you want to sometimes say things that you feel are important and what the brand stands for. But then there's this weird line.
0: It's true. And, you know, we're pro-women, And so, can you say that one party is pro women more than another? That's a hard line. Mm. So here's a good example. Mm. So at the when there were a lot of women's marches going on, like over a year ago, Mm -hmm. um, I personally posted a photo of three of our ambassadors were at one wearing skirt sports, Mm -hmm. and they had um, one of them had her daughter with her little girl. It was really cute and it was powerful, and but they had the vagina hats on. And I, oh, <laughs> I wasn't even like thinking in those terms. I was more like, this is about women. Sure. So I posted it and um, it didn't like go viral with people supporting it. And mm-hmm. then we had a few people who were like, unlike, unfollow. <gasps> Goodness. They're like, I guess I'm going to go to whatever brand. Oh, no.
1: And I just thought. <laughs> there goes that customer. Oh,
0: and I was like, this is not worth it. Like, look how hard I've worked over almost 15 years to, you know, mm-hmm. create this environment where people mm-hmm. feel welcome and, I don't want to lose customers sure. because of this. So, what, I took it
1: down. <laughs> yeah, you took oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting response. I think um it reminds me of how often we we actually need to support positively. We need to put our voice in and defend yeah. something that is shared because all you hear is the negative. It's like um the Gillette ad. On masculinity that we've been talking about a lot. Yes, it's um there was not I don't know if
0: explain it for people who yeah don't know what you're talking about. Yep,
1: Gillette uh, came out maybe a month ago with a an ad on masculinity that was so I found it so moving that <laughs> my partner and I watched it like five times and we cried every time and we it went viral in my communities that really appreciate inclusion and we're questioning and and, and many men are questioning you know how do i behave in this world and how do i respect women and how do i call other men to account and the the ad was more than an ad it was like a mini film i mean it was beautifully done and it was very thoughtful and very risky um and they i was watching the traffic on twitter and often you'll see and the and hear the most noise from the those that have a problem with something like that and you won't necessarily feel the same traffic from those who really were moved by and appreciated it for the brand for doing that and for taking a stand
0: right you're hearing the negative more than you're hearing yeah. the positive. and so what was their message
1: like why were you guys crying oh my gosh it just i've never seen a brand publicly take on masculine harmful masculine norms that that men and fathers and boys then are picking up on and it was about bullying and it was about um it included like brown boys and um gender non-conforming boys um but it was a completely like singular message to men and two fathers that we have to change and the Gillette the interesting thing about Gillette is remember they had those terribly sexist ads remember the best a man can get and like from the 80s the opposite. <laughs> it's like they so came total full yeah surface. so it was kind of a cleanup too of hey this is what we thought was cool here's what we think is cool now And um, I just really appreciated that. It was such a statement. Um, A lot of brands are starting to make statements and like Nike with Kaepernick, um, which they got a heck of a lot of blowback on, but which they also totally got so much brand equity positive brand equity from, right? So I think these brands are really trying to figure out like where, and even your your shop, you know, thinking about the the ramifications even down to the entrepreneur, we have to think about these things. I
0: know, I know. And like, where's the line between your personal beliefs and what your business stands for? And if they're not the exact same, how much can you insert your personal beliefs into it? (laughs) Now for you, with you, for instance, You do have that line, too.
1: I do. I tried to create that line. Yeah. I don't know how successful I've been, but we actually have two websites. I have Jennifer Brown Speaks, which Uh was our effort several years ago to kind of pull me and my voice away from Jennifer Brown Consulting, which is our consulting business for large Fortune 500 companies, right? So you can imagine... And I am very much a feminist and very much an activist. And so we were like, "How does Jennifer get some breathing room uh-huh. so that she can sit, be a little more honest and, you know, maybe challenge some brands here and there?" Of course, but the funny thing is they're my customers. and And I also support so many brands because I truly believe that they're trying to walk the talk and do the right thing. I mean, they're really they're they 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 take my breath away. I mean, when Gillette did that, I, I thought more of this, you know, let's let's see who follows. And I think many more are. the Super Bowl ads, you know, we're seeing a lot. So, And these are my clients, and I I can't take credit for these ads. We're not advising the marketing teams, but um, I think there's a lot to believe in with the big companies. I know there's a lot of cynicism about them that they're just about the bottom line and making money, and they are, and that will never change. But the social consciousness, the need to take a position, the view that I am sharing, which is that silence speaks volumes as well, and particularly at a time when your employees – or might, might be in pain because of something that's going on in the social sphere, and the political realm, and their communities are being directly impacted. For a company not to talk about, well, what does inclusion mean to us here? Like, what are we doubling down on in terms of the work environment that we want for you every day? That's what's so important. And when a brand stays silent and chaos is going on, particularly for marginalized communities outside of the four walls, it's very much interpreted as, oh, my company doesn't get me. Like they don't think about me. They don't care about me. And therefore, we it sort of feeds the machine of diverse talent leaving. And we still see the numbers are, you know, women, people of color are sort of in an exodus, particularly from like mid-level and higher level executive roles from companies, because most companies don't do a good job around inclusion and they're just sick of it you know it's sort of death by a thousand cuts you know it's microaggressions every single day you know the company's not walking the talk nobody cares like nobody it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a serious commitment and people at some point are like you know i'm going to go find a job where i don't feel like i'm being passed over for for promotion or i don't feel like i have to listen to jokes and comments that are biased every single day of my life or i don't have to be the only woman on this engineering team and the only woman i see in the hallways every single day or the only black person, other black person that I see like once a week, you know, and this is a reality for many, many people and it's hard. It wears on, wears on anyone that's underrepresented. It's a lot to take on. And then at the same time, you're asked to be the spokesperson for your company often. (laughs) So it's sort of this double whammy of ah,
0: right? Because the company's like, we need to show that we're diverse. So let's use the one person
1: who looks diverse. (laughs) And by the way, let's maybe give that person the responsibility for like the task force of, you know, truing up pay equity in the company or you know it's like these these massive right. systemic challenges that need to be owned by everyone and particularly they need to be owned as problems by people with power to change them yeah. and so here we are talking about marginalized communities underrepresented communities in, in companies and then you turn around as a white straight guy and you say like oh no like she's going to be leading that charge you know and you give that to you you make an yeah. owner of that that yeah. has probably struggled to find their voice um to be taken seriously and sadly, that is a true statement. I mean, as women, we know this and then it compounds when you add, you know, when you're a non-white woman, when you're a queer woman, when you're a woman with a visible or invisible disability, like, you know, you struggle because nobody looks like you and people aren't familiar with you. They don't know how to like include you. Mm -hmm. So there's like this total, but but the abdication of responsibility for inclusiveness in organizations to someone else by the people in power, it's just over and over again. And it frustrates me a lot. I mean, I want, look, I want a a fabulous woman to be leading the charge, definitely. I just don't want her to be the only choice (laughs) all the time, because it's a lot of burden. And by the way, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you wanna lead the gender equity project. True. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's very true. let's, Let's
0: back up a second. And tell people what you consult on. I think they're going to yeah. get a sense for that yeah. by what we just riffed on a bit. But like, what is your, what do you go into these companies? What's your topic? Why do they hire you? What are they looking for? Well,
1: they might be getting sued, is one thing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is that often happening these it's days? Not, well, it is happening often. I, don't, I wouldn't say we get... We get those calls more often, I mean, sometimes. I, I think the majority of calls are, we wanna be better. We wanna be more diverse. We're having trouble retaining women and people of color of sort of to name two of many categories. They're leaving and we don't know why. Um, we've gotten feedback about our workplace culture. So my team and I, my team number's around 20. So we're sort of part consultants that serve these clients and then part marketing finance ops. And that's kind of my main team as CEO. And um, I've had the company for 10 years. We've always worked with big corporate. Um, don't ask me why. I could never have predicted that th- that would be my uh-huh. constituency. I was a nonprofit activist and an opera singer. Uh-huh. So, you know, <laughs> life is strange, but I'm also LGBTQ. And um, I came out when I was 22. I'm in my late 40s now. And it was like, I think, I guess I, I put the dots together at some point like 10 years ago when I left opera, I went and studied organizational development and got how, a second master's. Like how old were you at that? I time? was like early, third, mid thirties, Oh, early thirties, okay. yeah. So can
0: we, you talked about like, you kind of passed over it cause you know, it's just who you are, but I think it'd be important to talk about, you know, you came out yeah. in your early twenties and we know each other. I know your backstory because of our awesome work we did with Aaron Weed. Love her a few years ago. Yes, yeah, she's an episode, a few episodes back. Check her out. <laughs> Check her out. Um, and you're actually in town because of an event she put on, of Oso Live, yes.
1: which of which so we're graduates. Good. We're like the alums. Yes, I love we it. are. We're the first gen. <laughs> we legacy. <laughs> <are. laughs> oh my gosh.
0: So, um, so I know your backstory, and I know that you've had a lot of pain to process, and internal conflict and all that. So maybe you can mm. share some of that because I think that's a really, like you said, that's part of your formative development that's led you to put the
1: dots together. Totally, Well, um, so <clears throat> I was raised pretty wealthy, really privileged, boarding school kid, private schools the whole, the whole way. I'm very not diverse from an ethnicity perspective, like anybody around me, certainly no gay people around me. (laughs) Didn't know a single one. Um, And then I, lo and behold, fell in love with a woman in college and I decided to really honor that, you know, it was, to me, it was just very clear what I would need to do. You know, I, I needed to love this person and I needed to see where it goes and I needed to be open to it because that's what my heart was saying. So, you know, and I had become a feminist at that point (laughs) I had my feminism class in college that literally like turned my world upside down.
0: Okay, I have to say (laughs) that's almost progressive though because the first response to many people I've talked to who've sort of had that awakening of like, oh my gosh, I love someone of the same gender, is to fight it. Oh, to fight it. to fight it first and not accept it and not honor it and not listen Mm. to your heart. I did you ever so try to fight
1: it? I don't think I did. Um, I, But again, it's so interesting through the lens of privilege now that in the work I do, I didn't need to fight it because bad things wouldn't happen to me, you know? And that's what I understand now, you know, that I'm not trans and fighting it. I'm not a person of color. And by the way, coming out that I'm LGBT, right? It's, it's just compact, the difficulty, the lack of difficulty for me had everything to do with the safety net that I had from my family. I, I Somebody referred to it as a plush carpet that you fall on. Mm. When you fall, yeah. you bounce mm-hmm. and you're not hurt. And I just had every protection. So I just always wanna say that. Um, but I did, for some reason, I'm wired and I had a, I mean, my family identifies as Republican. So we don't vote in the same way. Um, and that's been a source of much consternation. <laughs> and pain (laughs) for me given the work I do but I love them they love me they accept me you know we got there
0: did but the you just said we We got got
1: there there, yeah and it was tough um and I it's interesting I'm I'm a little bit of a non-traditional LGBT person because I felt that my political awakening was so profound it was not so much a sexual waking awakening it was a it was a political awakening to me of it's the feminist message of what I my body is my choice and who I share it with really matters. And I identified so much with this community. It felt I found my activist voice in this community. And I've learned so much from being in this LGBTQ community of brave individuals, courageous individuals, um, who are fighting for everyone's voice. Like it's it's just been really humbling. So come so happening to fall in love with a woman was like, okay. Here's some of the pieces that I have. I have my feminist identity. I have my political uh, passions. I have my love for this person who happens to be this gender. And I, um, I kind of came out and never went back. To me, and it, but but I think it's unusual. I'm a, I'm unusual in a lot of ways. Like I wasn't five years old in thinking this, you know. So I, I can't trace that back. Although I did have crushes on girls. <laughs> I had lots of boyfriends, and I have lots of crushes on girls that never turn in anything because we weren't allowed to do that that wasn't something we even knew was possible so um so I really have found um my I think my purpose has come out of that coming out and I always say out of that adversity which was relative for me still I feel the empathy I have for what everyone else has gone through in that community is deep in me and and, in the empathy for every community that struggles is deep in me like that is just what I'm here to do and so when I became an opera singer and then you might know this story and people can watch my talk um I I gave a TEDx talk at Presidio um and they were like you must come out on stage and I was like really (laughs) can I avoid that (laughs) I don't want to get crucified on YouTube and social media and this was like eight years ago um but I coming out has been the biggest gift actually it's it's made me strong it's focused me it's um made me appreciate uh the The power of voices when you are you feel you're marginalized and you're afraid about how you're going to be accepted, you develop all these workarounds. You know you develop this deep emotional intelligence. Um, you you know how to establish trust quickly and make others comfortable, which is a great skill for sales, for running a business. Um, you are empathetic in terms of how you build teams. Um, because you you sort of can put yourself in other people's shoes because you can share this experience of being kind of outside or being othered um, or being part of a community that's othered. So the language you develop, I think, is incredibly useful for this world we live in.
0: So would you – I mean, I'm thinking about othered. It feels like everybody is othered in a certain
1: way. True, True.
0: But I don't – I'm not sure if that's – is it true? It
1: is true. It is true. So now – Now I tell my story, but then I talk about how everyone has a diversity story. Mm -hmm. And it's so incredible. I always start my podcast, which is called The Will to Change um, with People's Diversity Stories. And they share all manner of things. (laughs) And I love it. It's always stretching my brain. And when I ask audiences the same question, and I have show of hands, or we do maybe a text poll, and we see all the ways people have felt excluded or marginalized in their lives come up on the state, on the screen. Um, and it's so many things beyond race, gender, sexual orientation. It's um, um, addiction in your family or yourself. It is mental illness, depression, anxiety. It is um, veteran experiences, PTSD. Um, just purely being a veteran actually is something many people hide because they're, they fear triggering people's stereotypes about being a vet. Um, not did,
0: having wealth or having wealth.
1: Yes, socioeconomic background, mm-hmm. money struggles, um, growing up incredibly poor, not knowing when you're, where your next meal was going to come from, um, growing up in an alcoholic, abusive family. And so when I keynote and I open this up, it's just incredible what I hear. And it's just been a huge awakening for me in terms of how I need to talk about this and teach it. And um, that it's not just the categories that we think of when we say we hear the word diversity, so <clears throat> it is a fundamental, literally rede- redefinition moment, I think, because we do also have this younger generation coming into the workforce who's so many things. Right. Multi-ethnic, um, gender non-conforming, or identifies as queer, it depends, still figuring it out, queer questioning. Um, and yes, all these other things as well that caused, and maybe they're not all bad things, but they were things that really formed us and shaped us. I like to talk about it as... What, what do you hide or minimize or downplay or don't talk about, particularly in the workplace and maybe in your life as well, that you fear is going to cause you know, a distance between you and other humans, either in terms of your ability to get your job mm-hmm. done, whatever. I mean, I'm get even getting stories about I'm in a um, non-traditional relationship. I'm in a poly situation. I'm in a thruple. <laughs> um, I've never heard <laughs> <that>. Yes, thruple. <laughs> yes. Um, and and somebody like you know what looks to me like he's a, he's identifies as a big guy will come up and say, I don't talk about the fact that I have two partners, um, and it's a heterosexual triad. So this isn't a gay thing, but it's it's true. It might be right, true. People right. are co-parenting with other people. Yeah. They have different family arrangements. Um, they have a kid who's mixed race they have a trans kid that they don't tell anyone about Mm -hmm. tons of parents are coming up to me Mm -hmm. and saying I don't know how to talk about this at work and I'm really inspired by what you shared and I feel I need to be an ally for my kid in the school I don't know what I'm doing because I don't even know about this Um, and now and how do I cross that bridge at work when people ask me about my children and you know we're at social engagement so there's just so many people who are struggling with what they share.
0: And you um, you use a word called covering. And that is, maybe you can define it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's um, there's a study I refer to from Deloitte called Uncovering Talent. And honestly, even if you're not a business consultant like me, you should read it. It's really moving uh, because it's, it's all the ways that we many of us have visible diversity dimensions, right? So uh, maybe our race and ethnicity, our gender, maybe our disability, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but but all of us engage in this downplaying behavior. So if I'm a woman, I may not challenge a misogynistic comment or joke because I don't want to remind everybody, like I'm the nag or I'm, you know, there's other words <laughs> that we've been called. Oh yeah. When we use our voice <laughs> too much. And then if you are a woman of color, a person of color, um, I literally, it just breaks my heart, but I talk to my friends and how they show up in organizations. If they are tall and they're, they identify as black, the, a man will say, I, I always hold a water bottle in my hand so that I don't gesture too big so that I don't scare people. <laughs> my physical presence intimidates people. And like, make no mistake. Certainly, big men in general have to kind of watch that because they loom wow, over us. I didn't even think about. But that. when you're a person of color, you have to. You are sort of more prone to being called angry when you're just being passionate and em- empathetic. Interesting, right? Em- em- I mean, um, emphatic. So yes. there are so many double and triple standards <laughs> applied to people when you start to study unconscious bias. Um, you start to peel the onion on all this. Um, there's a great, great book called Blind Spot by dr banaji out of harvard and it's one of the most popular books on bias and i encourage everybody to go read it if you're curious about this it is everywhere <laughs> i feel like i see it everywhere because it's what i it's what do they say for if you have a nail and a yeah, hammer everything looks like a nail if you're <laughs> totally. <yeah>. Oh. <laughs>
0: um well let's uh actually funny on tall and short people i've often felt like thinking about the perspective of what they actually see. Mm. I'm like, short people are looking up my nose and tall people are (laughs) looking at the top of my head, which I've never really seen, right? (laughs) But I mean, that makes so much sense. So you talk about downplaying, then I also thought about the people who sort of upplay or exaggerate Mm. things about themselves. Like what? Like, Like it's bravado almost. Mm. Like I'm really awesome and here's why. (laughs) It's usually an insecurity I would think. Right. You know, so you're you're facing both of those things. And when you get two personalities like that together, right, that's
1: true. the The downplay or the cover is gonna shrink even more. For, and if you're an introvert, you're really gonna shrink. Oh, yeah. so we also talk about introversion extroversion when I do that exercise. Oh, that's a good one. huge.
0: What do you consider huge. yourself? I'm
1: so extroverted, please. And I mean, who was at the party? <laughs> after an entire day, <laughs> I was still at the party until like they flashed the lights. like it's just that's what extroverts do. Like we're just, We have endless energy for people. do
0: you find as you're getting (laughs) older, though, that you are still fueled by that energy? Like, could you not fall asleep last night? Or were you like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted
1: now? Well, there are pills involved occasionally with the sleep (laughs) scenario, especially with time zones. Oh, gosh. But no. Legal pills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they're hard to get, though. my gosh. I have to see, like, 10 doctors to get them. Um, But not Michael Jackson-type pills. No. (laughs) Nothing like that. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think this – Relates to a little bit of self care, like we were talking about at mm-hmm. the. Um, I'm I am, <clears throat> I am energized, but I, I have to really pace myself, and I don't think that I'm good at it. Of of downtime, non non extrovert time, kind of to digest, to uh, metabolize everything that comes at me, particularly as a speaker, right? Who's on the road, I'm constantly meeting people. I'm super. I feel so lucky. I'm so stimulated. I'm meeting amazing heart centered people constantly. Um, but I think, uh, we all, we in my field talk about compassion fatigue a lot. Mm. Um, Interesting, so true. my self-care is not just about the pace I keep, which is relentless. And I don't even have kids, Nicole. Like I am like hats off to business owners with yeah, kids. Well, because that's why you're doing the, all the traveling well, now. I stopped that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think either you're ma- someone's going to suffer, you Right, know, marriage. Um, well, you're married. Yeah, I am for twenty years to lovely that, Michelle. And is is that suffering? <laughs> she, no, <laughs> I hope not. Um, <laughs> Thanks, I you know I t- shout out to Michelle. She's you know she's an introvert. So we have for a while. I really wanted her to be an extrovert because I was like, I want you to, I want the world to see us as a couple. I want them to see you because you're wonderful and you're something I'm really proud of. She's an activist, an um, animal activist, um, and she's a passionate like amazing charismatic person super duper introvert though but nobody knows because she's like a she's learned how to exhibit extrovert behaviors (laughs) because introverts are faced with that challenge like I've got to get along in an extroverted world like it's going to hurt my career if I'm not Hmm. you know if I I I don't develop those promotional self-promotional or confidence skills I
0: mean Tim's an introvert too except one-on-one you know, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. different, but, um, yeah, it's really interesting because I also wanted him to become an extrovert so that he could join me on all my adventures <laughs> and fun. And like when he would join me, he'd be introverted and I'd be like, oh, this is like, and then it's I'd a pain, right? Yeah. And I would feel like, obli- you know, not obligated, like I would. Feel a little, maybe a little resentful yeah, and be like, why yeah. can't he just be enjoying himself? And then I'd be focusing my time and energy on him not right. enjoying himself right. when probably he might have been enjoying himself in his own little just introverted look
1: bubble, like you enjoying yourself, right? Right? And maybe he wants to leave a little early, right? When he's done, he's done, right. and you may not be done. <laughs> True, and and it's accepting that people are who they are. Right? You're not going to change them. That's right. Um, So I want to say as a manager, if folks are listening here and you have introverts on your team, beware that if you've got an introverted woman, for example, not to grossly stereotype, but, you know, there's a reason Lean In was written and had such an impact. We got to learn how to overcome what we've been told about our voice, right, and our our developing that confidence, whether it's to negotiate our pay or to right? Speak up for ourselves, or make sure nobody steals our idea or talks over us in a meeting, right? So if you're a quieter woman, it's again, that kind of compounding impact. And so as a manager, whether you're a woman or a man manager, you have to, you have to differentially manage people. You have to know enough not to make assumptions about people based on what you've read and studied, but you should know that there are certain headwinds that certain people are going to face. Uh, because of their identity and also maybe because of their personality style if they're an introvert they're not going to self-promote they're not going to speak up maybe you know maybe they won't feel as comfortable um, advocating for uh, themselves or pulling focus and making sure their idea gets you know credited properly (laughs) so we study this a lot like in meeting etiquette and we see there's mansplaining going on um, I might also say whitesplaining too uh, is starting to happen. So as we, as oh there are more, gosh, more, all of these, terms. more white allies are kind of coming forward and being like, I understand racial justice, you know, and I have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> intersectionality. And it's like, hold on, <laughs> you know, you're talking to, if you're talking to a person of color, your job is to listen. You know, just oh, wow. do a whole okay. lot of listening. Your job should always be to listen. Well, that's my MO, but not everybody is a good listener. You know, there's – look, there's two kinds of people in the world, talkers and listeners. So <laughs> I, I coach them differently um, on my own team as well. I tell my talkers to don't talk so much. Don't dominate the conversation. Ask a lot of questions. Um, take notes. Learn, you know, and you will be heard. <laughs> don't worry about that because, because you have, you have a comfort. Like you said earlier, I think some people – really do dominate. And I think men in particular in the business world need to kind of watch their their tendency to have the loudest voice. Um, there's literally a mansplaining app that you can turn on and put in your phone in the middle of the conference table. <laughs> and it tracks, it tries to track the gender of the voices speaking. And then it gives you a report out on the percentage of time that was allocated <gasps> and utilized by, wow. right? Like that's what I'm talking about. Like it is real, like tech is gonna really help us understand wow. this stuff a lot better that we are literally denying that it happens. I mean. It's funny, we're in all women's companies. So <laughs> oh <yeah>. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so for you, your diversity issues, well they may yeah, be true. getting more men. They may be the quieter women versus the women that have very mm-hmm. much comfort and confidence. It may be um, women of color. And I know this is Boulder, yeah. and like, yeah, it's really, but
0: it not, it transcends your internal team too, though. Yes. I mean, it's your customers. Correct. My goodness. Um, I want to actually go back to the idea of covering, we talked about what's your disability or however you might phrase that. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine, okay, you're you back in the day, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're LGBTQ. Mm-hmm you go to a big company, at what point do you put that on the table? It's not like you're going to walk in with a sign around your neck, right. or for me, like history of alcohol abuse, right, um, right. marriage troubles, <laughs> you know, like whatever, um, caffeine addict. Like <laughs> so. But where do you, when do you let that out? At what point... Because employers aren't really allowed to ask those questions and they can't, you know. I always want to ask, like, hey, do you have a family? Like, I just want to know because I'm curious. Of course. I'm not hopefully going to hold that against you. Right. I mean, I'm assuming I don't, but. Knowing you, you would not. Right. I I mean, well, anyway, (laughs) we'll we'll move on from me, please. But, but, you know, how? Because it's a hard line. Yeah, it is. You know, you sit in a room and maybe you're feeling marginalized, but. what's the right time to speak up and how do you right. do it so that people can understand you?
1: Are you going to call a company meeting?
0: I need to tell you guys yeah, something. Know, right? I'm trans. <laughs> right. You know, totally. like,
1: and poor are my trans friends like literally kind of have to do that. It's really tough. Well, when you do Gosh. change your identity so or your tough. name, I can yeah. see that. For and you've sure. got customers, you've got clients, you've got to hey. do an internal memo. You know, you have to get HR involved, you know, it's a a whole thing. But,
0: you know, mental health, there's so many things that, like you said,
1: you can't see. So at what point do you put it on the
0: table? Mm -hmm. What's the right thing to do for somebody so that they can at least have it be known and hopefully start to change that feeling of being marginalized? Yeah,
1: Um, because I always like to say, when we hide or downplay something, we are depriving somebody else from seeing that beacon of hope, right? Mm -hmm. So if I knew that my CEO... That person I don't even know didn't graduate college. You know, I've had this as a real story. Or if I knew that that officer of my company is Jewish, and like I'm at a company that's dominated by you know Christians who are pretty out about that, and I'm a, I'm Jew I'm a Jew I'm in this workplace, and I'm like, you know, can I be here? So it's so important to tell our diversity stories and not just hide them. But to your point, it's awkward around when and why. Right? I think get, get the why is really important too. Um, so I say, I like to say any kind of team, um, I use this metaphor of the iceberg and we actually have an exercise in my talk. So if you, I, I want to direct your, your listeners to a talk, I gave it inbound. If you will Google okay. inbound, Jennifer Brown, that's the talk with slides that I think would be helpful for people to see if you're we'll intrigued. Yeah. yeah. If you're intrigued by, um, the iceberg. Model. Yeah, basically, let's hear it. the icebergs, you know, it's 10% is visible about us, 90% is not. And those things that are not are the things we might be downplaying. Mm-hmm. We might be downplaying them a little bit, or we might never talk about them, right? Depending on how stigmatized they are. Well, and how much do you need to share of them? Right. And you, we make choices. Um, I've still got some stuff that I haven't really talked about publicly. Um, okay, let's get it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the last 10%. That was an Aaron Aaron Weed's conversation in the cone of Aaron Weed's silence. Um, We we do some deep sharing in those rooms. We do. Um, But, you know, so it's not a pressure to sort of vomit up like all your truths. I think we have control over those truths. But I like to say if you're not making yourself uncomfortable on a regular basis, you're not being a leader when it comes to inclusion right Mm. so I try to put my fears aside about coming out as LGBT because I think to myself I am protecting myself in this moment and making myself comfortable but I am not doing my job which is to show what a member of this community looks like and sounds like to that person that person in that room and that person has to be more important than my own feeling of like how comfortable am I right now like, it, to me, so that's kind of where I've ended up. And there are days I walk on the keynote stage and it's all 400, male, mostly men in the audience. And everybody's body language is like, mm, I don't want to be here and whatever. Who is this woman? Right. And why do we have a diversity closed. speaker? Closed off. Super closed. Um, and they've heard just they've been so kind of um, forced, I think they'd see in their minds they've been forced to deal with diversity. Um, and I coming out is super uncomfortable for me at, in those rooms, like really uncomfortable. As a woman, let alone as an LGBT person, I already feel that I might be the only female speaker. You know, I feel I'm way out on a limb, but I've got a model it. And so, to your question, the iceberg model is ten percent is. So I, I'll say to them, "What you don't see about me is this, 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 right?" And so it's, I'm telling them about my iceberg model. And then, if I have time, I make them talk about their iceberg models. And people really go there; they actually, even in those rooms, the are room. Closed I'm off. telling you, Nicole, it yeah. works every time. It, it, I don't know how I do it, but I guess the combination of my personal story, my vulnerability, my whatever I, energy and trust I create from the stage, by the time 20 minutes in, I'm like, okay, your turn. They literally, like, jump in. They raise in. their hands? Yeah, well, no, what like- they do, I make it safe. I have a, what we call a parent share in the training okay. world. I make it safe. It's uh-huh. not, like, parent report share. out to the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, So you start small and make it intimate so that somebody can turn to their neighbor and say, well, Jennifer did talk about socioeconomic background. We grew up, like, I was the first person to go to college in my family. Uh-huh. Um, it was really hard. I, um, I was raised by a single parent they will start to go. And then if you're ta- if you're a white guy talking to a black woman, the black woman will say, Wow, I feel like I don't talk about my racial experience at work. And bang, like you've had two people yeah. who literally have gotten so honest with each other. And then um the the level of noise in the room is like it's it's um I just know it's that amazing. people yeah. must feel so we're just we feel pent up. We feel we need permission. But once we're given permission, we just dive in and we love it. We love talking about ourselves, our stories. It's a relief. I mean, it's a catharsis. The energy, if I had to describe it, is literally catharsis. And then people can't wait to share. You pass the mic. You do Oprah style. I run around and I hear the most, even me. I mean, there's new things coming out all the time that I'm like, that is so beautiful, so vulnerable of you to share. Thank you very much. Like, And literally the senior executive white guy will stand up and say, it just just happened. I grew up in an alcoholic abusive family. And um, it was very difficult for me. I've never talked about it at work, um, but I felt moved because Jennifer asked us to do this exercise and you all have been so present. I'm going to be present now. And that person is being an inclusive leader. Super amazing. Which is th- exactly the next book you're working on. <laughs> yes, exactly. On. Well,
0: <laughs> one thing that also hit me is this feels very intimate. Oh, And we don't intimate. show intimacy right. at work often. And, you know, most of us might think of, like, sexual intimacy right, or, like, right. uh, That's where we marriage go. That's, intimacy. Yeah. But, like, at what point, What? where's the line with being able to show that or share that at work and still be productive, too, because you don't want to sit around all day and, just and sharing and mo- your yeah, right. intimate <laughs> <Right>. moments.
1: <laughs> and some people do TMI, to your point earlier. Like, True. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to balance it carefully because sometimes, like, a young Appearingly cisgender white guy, like a, a millennial guy will stand up and be like, oh, I don't like being stereotyped as millennial, you know, and, you know, so it's hard to balance. Oh, like, we could talk about generations yeah, too. <laughs> it's hard to balance. Like <laughs> it, my friend says, like, let's not make diversity about like the pain Olympics, right? We have to be really careful to not, it's the um, oppression, <laughs> hierarchy of oppression. Um, we can fall into that. You know, and be like, well, my pain is worse than yours. Like, oh, millennial man who's white. Like, you still have so much privilege. Like, I don't want to hear from you. Or executive man, how could you possibly have a diversity story? I I think we've got to we really – if we really mean inclusion, and this was a very hard awakening, I think, for a lot of progressives after the election of 2016, I think a lot of us – to me, that was a big – Awakening, And then it was also awakening to realize for the Women's March that happened subsequently, right? Uh Um, That women of color, many women of color didn't feel comfortable going. And I think for a lot of white women, it was like, why? Why? It was the best day of my life. But they didn't feel included and seen. I still, I. It's it's a deep. There's so many rifts in the Women's March, like um, organizers. There's rifts. So many. I can't even, we don't have time to go into it. But I (laughs) encourage people to read about what happened to Fracture the women's march to the point where this year there were several women's marches. Like it literally fractured and went, this group went this way, this group went that way. Um, So, and there's issues of women of color that aren't feeling seen and heard by white women that are, are very important for white women to understand really important. So, you know, if you're going to do some reading, um, if we have like, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you should read women of colors, voices, books, understand, understand, intersectionality uh the impacts of intersectionality which is coined by kimberly crenshaw who's a professor and it's um and 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 become a student of this because if you're any kind of colleague or friend or you know leader this is how you be an ally it's it's how you you might have had your moment and like had your own feminist awakening as a white woman but there are so many women that still don't feel included so you might have you might think it was the best day but and then Me Too happened and then um, Black Lives Matter has been happening and our sort of knowledge of police treatment and all of these, it's just been such a crazy two years of reckoning and, uh, and, and I think a, a awakening of our own understanding of who has privilege who doesn't relatively without right. going sort of towards the pain Olympics. But, um, and privilege can look a lot of ways. I mean, I have women of color friends who say, I need to do more as an ally. And yeah, they mean, so, they mean I need to be an ally to, to people with disabilities. I need to be an ally, a better ally as a straight woman to um, trans women of color. You know, there's always, we can always use something in our makeup.
0: Okay. Let's talk about me as a leader in a women's brand who has a mission to help women find happiness. We don't define mm. anything beyond just women. So there is a line there that we don't have to talk about right now because it, where it's the trans world, mm, or mm. men who identify as women or sure. men who just are more
1: comfortable around women. Well, that's right? true, Yeah, you talk so, about inclusion. <laughs> right That's lovely. but I love that.
0: How do I use my voice to support <clears throat> you know, this world of diversity, yeah. and help more people feel included?
1: What is the best thing I can for do? you and knowing your brand, um, when you every time you say women, I think that there is a broadening there that could happen definitionally in your marketing material. And I haven't looked at your stuff. But, yeah. but I think that it, it's, it might be a <laughs> tweak like anyone who, who identifies as a woman is welcome here. So there's like certain ways you can signal and that can include anyone who's gender nonconforming or um, non-binary. So non-binary is, um, gosh, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs>
0: we can keep going. <laughs> we have. It's based on the 5K time, but we've already run longer
1: than a 5K. So let's go for oh, 10. Oh, Thank you for the extension. <laughs> um, cisgender, cisgender and transgender are sort of, think of them as the polarities on a continuum. And it is a continuum. It's not a binary. Gender is not a binary.
0: So explain cisgender
1: because I think yeah. some
0: people may not be familiar. Sure. with Sure. So
1: term. cis a cis, I think it means same in Latin. But I identify as a cisgender woman, which means that my sense of my internal sense of my gender matches the gender of the body I was born in. Got it. So there is that sameness. Trans means there is a, um, a an oppos- opposite thing going on, right? And but I think we the gender non-binary is that continuum of identity. You know mm-hmm. that. I may be, my, my quote-unquote gender may not be discernible. Um, I may, you may need to ask me what my preferred pronouns are. And I honestly think we're, someday, we'll, I hope we ask everyone what their preferred pronouns are because gender, how we identify is not visible, right? Exactly what we've been talking about. So in the corporate world, a lot of us that are inclusion advocates have um, our personal pronouns in our email signature as a sign that I want to talk about this. I'm comfortable talking about this. I'm a safe space. Um, and I, so you
0: write like she, her? Yeah,
1: I have she, her, hers in okay. my email signature. Mm-hmm. And to me, it means I'm a safe space. I, I don't assume cisgenderness in the world. I don't okay. assume. I don't okay. walk around. Yeah. Because think about how many people are gender non-binary. In their hearts, whether they have the vast majority of them, I would imagine, don't have the courage and the support and the finances to true up things to exactly the right expression and the right Right, body and the right plumbing you know right surgeries are expensive and by the way not everybody's opting for surgery anymore like it's so i think it's beautiful that we have we have now this knowledge of the continuum we have all these new words you know Mm -hmm. so you don't have to necessarily transition you know it's it's not about a destination it's not switching from one binary to the other so when oh, that's tough for an athlete cuz we want a destination. I know you we love want to finish line. metrics and <laughs> <laughs> that's So true. Well, the, you know, the sports world's so interesting with like measuring hormones well, and wow, that whole thing well, is Well, and really there wild. is that
0: is a tough line because <sighs> you have male or female categories and yeah. if a man identifies as a woman, there it is just scientifically proven that Masculine bodies are stronger, they're faster in most ways, in yes. most sports. Got it. Sports so that, as they're defined. Yeah. <laughs> correct. And so that's a hard line. Yes, it because is. Because if you have a man who says, no, I identify as a woman, I'm going to run the 100 meter, mm-hmm. you know, and in I'm going to win every time. And I'm going to win by five seconds, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. duh. Huh. And that did happen, I know, you know, yeah. to the woman from Africa years ago who had um, both chromosomes, Got right? Yep. Yeah. She She's so intersex.
1: It was the intersex, I, I wonder? I think she is Might have intersex, been, yeah. yeah. Intersex.
0: So, I mean, it's difficult. <clears throat> That's gonna be an interesting it's line. It's going to be an interesting, so for you, back to wow. your brand, yeah. I think. Okay. Thank so you.
1: women, we are a community, we support you know women athletes, um, anyone who identifies as a woman athlete, we're inclusive of all, we welcome all that wanna be a part of our yeah. community. So there's ways, there are ways in language just literally in the wording that you can signal that your brand is a place that you you welcome all all who identify as female or even or partially female like that there might be gender non-binary so um we value um you know, all all bodies, all shapes and sizes, all yeah. abilities, you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of start to riff really on your inclusion yeah. language and that will broaden your customer base. Thank and you for the consulting. Sure Jennifer thing. Brown I Consulting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I it's, mean, I love it's it. It's so easy to do. And I recently interviewed the founder of <clears throat> Tomboy X. Oh so my goodness. Do you know them? Sure. Yeah. So, so Fran Dunaway was on yes. and... You know, they're now considering themselves a gender-neutral underwear brand, Soul. and I said, "How? Like, the packaging is very different down there in your <laughs> underwear. Like, it, maybe it's different if your dresses, because the packaging isn't necessarily right, like right. closely, snugly fitted <laughs> for <laughs> sports, right?" <laughs> and she just said, "You know, think about it, Nicole." There's all different kinds of packages. Oh. And so talk about the continuum. Good. good. You know, that's right, I mean, That's right. It is
1: the line does get blurred at some point. Yeah. There's a meet in the middle area. And I heard amazing statistic, like twenty percent of the incoming generation into the workplace identifies us as, as non non-hetero and non-cisgender. So twenty percent. Wow. So, you know, companies are gonna have to yeah. learn this quickly. Um, we like to use LGBT plus sometimes. Um, it's it's a way to signal, because otherwise it becomes the alphabet soup. <laughs> we, well, yeah. we laugh in our community. It's like L G B T Q I A A whatever, whatever. Let's t- <laughs> <laughs> so. Well,
0: because then there's also <laughs> this paranoia of if you use the wrong term. Sure. Yeah. And so if, if I just talked about someone like, oh, well... That's a homosexual, you know. Yeah, we don't use that word anymore. Right, right. And (laughs) so, so, and different generations don't necessarily know that. Right. And you have to constantly be, you know, on the line so that you feel like Mm. you're not
1: offending people. I would give you you, more advice put a board together for it's a customer board, maybe, or it's the one queer employee you have, and then several queer or, um, gender non-binary or trans customers that you have and have them do an audit of your language practices, how you do your merchandising. We're doing it. You have to do it. Your merchandising, you know, you may have bias in how you're laying out the clothes. You know, Target got rid of, I mean, it was a big hoo-ha of getting rid of some of their um, gendered aisles you know and assigning certain toys to certain i mean right it's ridiculous when you look at it oh god think, the blue and pink really ugh so so i think um if you put that board together and said i really want to do this better what can i do it's really important you can ask me but i'm still a cis woman <laughs> and um, i'm not gonna i'm still trying to really stay abreast of everything but you you should absolutely and this goes for any business owner you know say help me help me do this better Teach me what I can do because I'm open and I'm willing and I will follow your direct, you know, within reason. I will do whatever I can to follow.
0: Well, one of the big things that we've tackled in the past year or two or three for a while is size. Yes. So it's it's accepting and making products for Mm -hmm. women that are bigger than XL or XXL. Right. And so we've done that and we've launched new products and we're working on it. It's not the whole line. So then we get you know, we have gotten criticized for actually mm. not doing
1: a good job because we don't offer enough. Got it. But that at least some, you're doing something. So, some, do you talk yeah. about what you have done? We do. Like, so I think Absolutely. it's. Absolutely. The other thing of advice I'd give to leaders is hey, the openness and the transparency about the journey that you're on mm. is really important because oh, we can't yeah. wait until we're done you talk right. about a destination there is no destination <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no don't think about the binary like you are on a journey <laughs> and it's going to be a long one and you're commi- what's important that people want to hear to f- to allow you and forgive you for any mistakes that you make cuz you're going to make mistakes is um here's where we're at Here's what we discovered. Here's what we've learned. Here's what we're going to take on. You're going to see some changes. Here's the changes you might have already seen. And here's, and here's how all. it's happening. Yes. And, and he- here's how we're screwing up. Yes. And here's how here's we're what trying to rectify it. Yeah. yeah. Here's what we've learned. Here's what we're going to do <laughs> differently going forward. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's all of that. It's all awesome. of that that communication as a leader of anything or, or in a team. I mean this goes for us personally too, like one to one. Hey, I did that did it make you uncomfortable that I referred you that way. Could you give me some some more accurate language? Do you feel included here? Do you feel you can bring your full self to work? What might we do to create an environment where, you know, you would feel more welcome here? Like really do you yeah. see questions for yeah. our staff or our colleagues. Does, you don't have to be the boss to ask these questions. You know, Because we all have responsibility for inclusion. We all build the culture True. around us. And it might be almost better if the boss doesn't ask them. Because it's pressure, right? Right. Yeah, I totally agree mm. with you. And by the way, as an ally, within reason, of course, you don't want to out anyone around anything they've shared with you. But, but allies, part of their job is to speak up for issues that they know yeah. are going on that aren't directly right. impacting them but they know are impacting others and okay so
0: we got to talk about this yeah. this is huge because <laughs> yeah. you know you're oh let's let's hit on your books quick oh okay cool so i want to do that because you've mentioned all these other people's books <laughs> let's get people buy your okay. book okay so you have a book out yeah that you wrote right after our uh intensive
1: evoso academy that we did with aaron that's right that's um, right and it's and called so, inclusion uh it's been out since 2016. Funny enough, it came out two weeks after the election. I really had my hands full after the oh, election wow. because literally employees were coming into HR's offices and all my clients in, in tears. Just yep. so traumatized that this would mean, what this would mean for their company's benefits. Are you going to rescind right. this? Are you are you going right. to change this? Like literally, I mean, employees are so sensitive to this stuff. I know. So, and it's not only women. I mean, there was oh, a it's big everyone.
0: immigration I mean, anybody who felt like, oh, my gosh, he got elected.
1: I'm going to get kicked out of this yeah. country. I mean, it's horrible. <sighs> horrible. Okay. So the book came out right after that. Um, that was a pure coincidence. <laughs> I think we thought somebody else might be elected. So um, anyway, but it's been out two and a half years. It's, it's um, you know, I, I hear it's incredibly readable, really practical. Um, it's tons of research. It's my personal story. Um, I, I think people who particularly love inclusion, like people who have sort of been bitten by the bug, really love the book. I don't know if it's the book for folks who are sort of on the other end of the spectrum that sort of need the, hey, come in, the water's warm <laughs> thing. Right, right. That's okay. my second book. Okay, so what's yeah. happening here? So that's coming out in August. It's called How to Be an Inclusive Leader. It's available for pre-order on Amazon awesome yes and I I went
0: to wait I have to say yes I thought about this and the first thing that hit me was okay that means like in work in the workplace being a leader Mm. but I then it hit me that Pretty much everyone listening to this podcast is a leader in some way. Exactly. If Community you're a mom, boards, you're a leader. Church. If you're, yeah, a friend, you can be a leader. Yeah. Ch- you're right. There are tons yep. of different ways Volunteers. that people are
1: leading. At least one person is looking to them yes. for something. I love that definition. Right? That makes you a leader. Right. But as a friend, as a parent. Yes, right? absolutely. It's, it's so applicable. I think, Um. so this next book was isn't so much about sort of that, consulting work I do to shift organizations and leaders. The second book I think is a more general audience and I really challenged myself to write for the clueless person, the resistant person, the oh, person yes. that's like, "Well, I don't know what to say," clueless. or "I don't want to get in trouble," or um, "I'm tired." Well, the just nervous def- person, right? Then, yes, the well-intended person oh, um, wow. who says, "I gosh, I have daughters, and you know, my wife works, and I want to be a stay-at-home dad." You know, really, if you ask me, what I really want to do. Um, but what can that person do? So, my my thesis is that um, we have got to get people out of all those those mindsets you know because right now we need people more than ever and we need people with any kind of privilege any kind to do more and at a time when we are so polarized and we're so kind of on eggshells about how we talk to each other and the intimacy you talked about earlier feels like it's so fraught because of the headlines right with me too uh, we there's some disturbing studies in the workplace by lean in which is cheryl sandberg's org um, I forget who she did the research with, but um, it quantified that men are actually pulling away from the what I would, might call the work intimate uh, relationships, which are so critical for women. As they move up, they need to be pulled up. You can't just push up. You've got to be pulled up the pipeline into an executive role. And usually you're being pulled up by a man because the top of organizations are dominated by men. Right. So if you've got this data that's like men are scared because of Me Too and they're pulling away from those helping conversations where they share power with a woman intentionally so that she can break through right the, and he can break through it for her sometimes right H- handling obstacles mm-hmm. and advocating for someone or bringing up somebody's name in yep. a meeting you know so so if there's this pulling away it's exactly the opposite of what we need so the book is like here's how you can step in with small actions here's how you can get started on the journey no judgments either like no no destination. Like. I have four stages, which is unaware, aware, active, and advocate. Okay. So I'm going to give people an assessment, which we're building right now, which is really exciting, which is really hard because I'm trying to define this, which is tricky. Um, but where are you in, in this spec- four-stage yeah. mm-hmm. journey? And then what can you do in, in terms of putting one foot in front of the other tomorrow? You know, Can yeah. you advocate once for someone that is underrepresented in your team? Can you have one conversation about an inappropriate joke man-to-man? Can you, as a LGBT person, can you take a moment and think about trans inclusion in a communication you're writing? Can we pause and just say, who is not included in this? And am I developing that muscle and that discipline? And then it goes from very private work to very public work, right? So what I just described is low risk to high risk. Mm -hmm. It's private to, okay, I'm going to get bolder. And like now, I mean, I'm in, I'm at probably advocate level, of course, um, because I'm, I'm relatively unafraid, tease my voice. <laughs> um, I'm I'd agree. Challenging and so are you, <laughs> challenging norms. But um, but we we are sort of doomed to repeat though. Or do we, you're never done because you might be an advocate on one level. Like you might know a, one community really well because you're in that community or you have a kid that's in that community, right? You're a white parent, and you have a black kid and you're like gung ho on everything. But you may know nothing about LGBTQ issues. You may know nothing about um, the abilities community. Um, or neurodiversity or all those interesting things that we've been starting to be able to talk about more openly. So we all are in the unaware stage about something. Um, And so it's sort of... I tried to build something that people love to know kind of a score and like where they are. And so it's, it's, it's not a Cosmo quiz. Hopefully it's meatier than that, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just, it's helpful because people right now are like, how do I, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And I think I'm doing enough, but I'm really not sure. And my book will tell you, Hey, you're probably not doing enough because none of us are doing enough. But it shouldn't be this like overwhelming task. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be like, I need to know all the things about everybody. And because people also get paralyzed with that, because the thing is just LGBTQIAA, it's.
0: I don't know. I've never
1: heard the IAAA part. (laughs) Tell me what that is. Well, (laughs) I I don't know if I'm going to get this all right. Um, (laughs) You don't even know. I know. And this is the thing that we say in our community. We're like, how can we expect people to understand who aren't in the community like we can't do this we mm-hmm. have to make it simpler yeah that's why i like the plus i also like the word queer i know older people in the gay community don't like it because it was used as an epithet and many people have horrible memories of being bullied and um but queer is actually a, a term that younger people really like Because it's a non-binary word, Mm. it's this great. You can be anyone in that community, even just slightly questioning. You can say I identify as queer. Yes, and it also embodies in some cases um, the gender identity and also the sexual orientation, which are two different things. So queerness, queerness can mean like when you're just not a a norm, I guess in terms if we use that. And that's a I hate to even who knows who knows how many. People are out there that are questioning what's a norm. What is a norm? There's no norm. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I guess maybe it's more the visible or the most vocal majority historical norm. Sure. Yeah. So changing. So it's just a great more language is better. It's just a beautiful gift. So I when people say, well, I don't when somebody says, well, my pronouns are they and them, and I hear somebody say, oh, I just can't say that. That's grammatically incorrect. I just can't get that through my head. You know, I always think to myself like. The world's language has been built to accommodate you and make you comfortable. And then, like you're, you're saying that you can't deal with somebody's pronoun because you don't want to make a grammatical error. Like, just be uncomfortable for one minute, yeah, right, yeah, and just make an extra effort so that somebody else can feel seen and heard and addressed in the way that they want to be addressed. So, and I hear that, yeah, I hear that it's a thing. So. You know, please don't be one of those people. And also don't be one of those people that says, I don't see color. That's the other like truth I try to drop in every single room I'm in. Mm-hmm. Don't say it. Don't erase the experience. Um, you might have thought that was a great thing to say at some point um, because we believe in equality, yay. But um, really, people are having such different experiences and those, those need to be acknowledged and talked yeah. about truthfully oh my gosh oh my so gosh we have we're, we're at the end <laughs> we rocked this so your
0: book's coming out in august
1: yes okay? and yes. it's
0: how to be an inclusive leader
1: yep it's All up right. on amazon you can pre-order it um i want to tell people it. social media i'm super rabid in <laughs> twitter she's yeah. a twitter tw- you're tweeter. a tweeter yes i have my tweeps. <laughs> my tweep community oh my gosh yes, i love cute. it um so it's at jennifer brown on twitter it's at Jennifer Brown Speaks on Instagram, which yep, is yep. fun. Perfect. I shared a ton about Evoso yesterday in oh, cool, my story. Cool. Um, and then we're on LinkedIn, Facebook. I have a podcast, Yes, The Will to Change. Yes. Please give that a listen yes. if you want to know so more awesome, about this. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And we'll have links to everything in the show notes. So come over to NicoleDeBoom.com and check out the show notes. Um, so let's wrap it. Let's yeah. wrap it with the final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Oh, Okay. Your fellow Avosowans have heard it and answered it. Aaron and Ash and Tal, oh. Tal. Tal. Yeah, he's Tal. amazing. Hi, Tal. Tal Tal. <laughs> um, he, so here, here it goes. If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger, better way, mm. what would your
1: final piece of advice be? Mm, I think it's that last thing we just talked about. Take that extra moment to be inclusive. Ask people for feedback. And use whatever privilege you have to advance inclusion uh, for those who may not feel welcome in whatever environment you find yourself. So get curious, use your voice, advocate for others. I love it.
0: <laughs> Everyone wants to hang out with you now. <laughs> you're the coolest. Hopefully uh, I try fueled you <laughs> with some extrovertedness this morning. I'd love morning to talk you- to you. This was so I fun. I know this is so fun. Cool. All right. Until next time.
1: Thanks, Nicole.
0: Hey there, my friends. I am back. I'm sure many of you are now wishing, as I am, that I would do a marathon session because I could just listen to Jen Brown all day long. Um, she is absolutely brilliant. I know you could hear that through this episode. She's, gosh, she's just incredible. One of my favorite lines was when she said, And I have us in quotes, let's not make diversity about the pain Olympics. (laughs) This is so true. Um, As we discussed, we all have a diversity story. And most of us are also covering in a sense. There is literally no winning at the pain Olympics when we've all got a story. Instead, I think the overriding message that she sent today is that it's important for us to help elevate each other in our quest for happier, healthier lives. Basically channel Jen Brown and and do it yourself. Help others, use your voice, not only on your own behalf, but on the behalf of others who you see being treated unequally. You know, we're all human in the end and we pick up on energy out there. It's truly in a sense your responsibility to get out there and help other people who you feel are being marginalized. This is Jen's work, this is her message and I definitely stand behind it. So with that said, Maybe a good challenge after this episode would be to grab a friend for your next workout and create a little more inclusion out there on the trails and then post about it so we know you did it. For more Jen Brown, I think uh, it's time to list all the ways you can find her. Definitely check out JenniferBrownSpeaks.com. You can pre-order her new book called How to Be an Inclusive Leader on Amazon. It's coming out, I think in August. You can watch her TEDx talks. Yes, she's done too. And definitely check out that inbound bold talk that she mentioned about the iceberg model. To me, that's really intriguing. And if you love Twitter, that's her channel. Jennifer's your woman. Her handle is simply Jennifer Brown. So be sure to follow and engage with her there. Okay, then everyone, that is it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.